But anyway, if you'll just sit back and just relax and let your ears be open and let your hearts be prepared to hear this wonderful message this morning. Here you go, honey. I can say anything I want. I got a new one. <laughs> That's true. Amy learned that this morning, right? <laughs> um, I first want to start off with prayer. Lord, as we come before you, Lord, we just want to take a second and continue the sweet spirit that has already filled the sanctuary this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would touch Sister Mitchell, give her the words and the peace, Lord, as she edifies you today with the ladies in our church. Lord, give me the words. Lord, let us step aside. We don't want this message to be about us, but we want it to be a reflection of you because we are your image bearer. In Jesus' name, amen. So about two months ago, I was looking through the calendar, trying to plan things out, and I'm like, you know what? Mother's Day is coming up. I don't want to do this last minute. So I started brainstorming, and I was like, hmm, Sister Mitchell, <laughs> would you like to tag team a service with me? And she's like, let me pray about it. And guess what? She said yes. So before we start this, I just want you guys, number one, to know this is not going to be a typical Mother's Day service. So before we start, I'm going to read you this that I wrote. To those who gave birth this year to a child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who have experienced loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or a child running away, we're mourning with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, all of the pokes, the tears, and the disappointments, we are here for you and forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this season harder on you. For those who are foster moms, mentor moms, or spiritual moms, we need you more than ever. To those who have a warm and close relationship with your children, we celebrate you today. But to those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your child, we sit here and lament with you. To those who have lost their moms, we're grieving with you. To those who have experienced abuse at the hand of your mother, we acknowledge you and we're walking alongside of you for healing. To those who have lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and who long to be married and mothering your own, your own children, we mourn that life that God has not fulfilled yet, and we are praying alongside of you. To the step-parents in the room, we walk with you because that is a very complex path. To those who've envisioned lavishing, lavishingly loving on grandchildren, yet that dream has not happened yet, we're praying with you. To those who are empty nesters, we rejoice and grieve with you because it's a new season of life. To those who have placed children up for adoption, 
we commend you for your selflessness and we remember how you hold and and we remember with you how you hold that child in your heart and to those who are pregnant with new life both excited and surprising we anticipate with you so today we are walking with every woman not just ones who have bared children but those who have lost because this message and our desire is to be the image bearer of Christ. And what better way can we do that than as women loving each other through every season? So I'm gonna hand it on to Sister Mitchell. I'm going to talk about two women that aren't mentioned much in the Bible this morning, but um, hopefully I can bring out some thoughts that will help us all as women. Um, we're going to, you know, we're kind of talking about generations. So I'm talking about a grandmother and a mom this morning in the book of 2 Timothy 1 verses 1 through 5. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Now, this is from the New King James, but if you went to the King James Version, it would say unfeigned faith. And I looked that up in the dictionary to get a better understanding of that. And it's said a faith that's not counterfeit. It's not hypocritical, but it's sincere. And that's what God wants for us as women is to have that genuine, sincere faith. And then in Acts 16.1, it says, and he, talking of Paul, came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. So these are just a couple scriptures that talk about Lois and Eunice, because like I said, there's not a lot in the Bible that tells about them. But it, he's talking about a faith that's passed on. The grandmother, Lois, had such a sincere faith that she imparted that to her daughter. And the daughter, in turn, raised her son to believe in Christ because he had an unbelieving father who was from the Greek culture, being a Greek. Um, so I want to just say that, you know, first of all, if you're going to pass something on, you have to have that. You have to have a relationship with God. So that's where we, we want to start as women. We want to have that relationship with God. Proverbs 3, 6, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So I have an acrostic here, if they can bring that up, that talks about trust, and I want to talk to you about that. And it's, you know, first, the, the first T is turn to God. The only way you are going to really, truly live in victory is by trusting God in your weaknesses and depending completely on him for strength. And this is a quote from Joyce Meyer. And then the R is, remember where God brought us, brought you from. And this is our testimony, what God's done in our life. This is what we have to share and to pass on to the next generation. You is understand that you're human. You can't take care of everything, even though we might be super moms and wear that, you know, that Superman cape, <laughs> or superwoman cape, I should say. <laughs> but we can't take care of everything. We need a savior. We need to believe that Christ died for our sins, and then we need to confess him as Lord. And the S is stop worrying. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. And then start praising. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalms 34 and 1. And the last T, take time for life. To live, to love, to laugh. Those are important things. Invest in your children, your grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, if some of you are that old, <laughs> like I am. Maybe you're not a mom, but you have a circle of friends, a circle of people around you that you influence. Maybe it's your nieces, your nephews, neighbors, coworkers, friends. Everyone needs to be loved and encouraged. And our words are important. Proverbs 25 and 11 said, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. It's costly. It's precious. You know, one of the things my youngest daughter, and I'm picking on it, no, <laughs> often says to people, I've often heard her say to people, Girl, you've got this. You know, those are simple words, but how much they mean to us and how much they might mean to someone going through something, just that encouragement. Help us all to be aware how we can be encouragers to others. I was reading in a book that uh, Brother Bridges loaned me to read, um, Happy Wife, Happy Life by Dr. Benny Tate, and he, was, he told an example about the Olympics when it was in Germany, and how many of you know who Kathy Rigby is? A few of us. Okay. Very, very good gymnastic person. You know, she did really good. But she didn't win the gold medal that year when she went. And, you know, she put a lot of time and effort into, into being the best she could be. And she tearfully told her mom that, I did my best. And her mom responded, doing your best is more important than being the best. 
So let, let's be quick to encourage one another and love one another. We need to pray for our children and with them. I can remember a time when my mom got up in the middle of the night because I was up praying in my bedroom, and my bedroom happened to be next to hers, and she got up and she came in, and she prayed with me because I was a young teenager, and I was seeking for asking the Lord to fill me with the Holy Ghost. And, and I was discouraged because I hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet at church. And so I went home that night, and in the middle of the night I got up and I was praying, and my mom came in, and, and she prayed me through. You know, what a wonderful thing to pray with our children. Just not for them, and that's important, but them to know that we love them enough, that we pray with them. Second Timothy 3, 14 and 15 tells the last of our verses of these two women that the Bible mentions. It says, but as for you, continue in the things which you have earned and be ensured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus, and the way he knew the, little, the Holy Scriptures from childhood was through his mom and his grandmother. As Brother Kenny said last week, you may be the only Bible that some people ever read. And as the song the worship team sang last week, I've witnessed it, be ready and tell of God's faithfulness. We do have that testimony we can share. You know that song they, they sang too, because it so speaks to me, and it is my testimony. testimony. All my life, he has been faithful. <laughs> he has been, oh, so good. And with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of the Lord. Max Lucado asked in his devotional, Grace for the Moment, volume two, on page 62, why are you so focused on what you don't have, that you are blind to what you do. You have a ticket to heaven no thief can take, an eternal home no divorce can break. Every sin of your life has been cast to the sea. Every mistake you've made is nailed to the tree. You're blood-bought and heaven-made, a child of God forever saved. So be grateful, joyful, for isn't it true? What you don't have is much less than what you do. And I'd like to close with a scripture I read just the other day, but it so spoke to my heart. And it is for our older generation. I think you'll understand when I tell you. It's Isaiah 46 and 4, and this is from actually the New the New International Version. Even to your old age and gray hairs, that's why I said, you know, if I was speaking to you, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you, and I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. Oh, my goodness. That is such an on-time word. 
Oh, give her another round of applause, guys. <laughs> Mother's Day can be tricky, especially for Christians. On one hand, we want to honor the blessing of motherhood, both as mothers and as children of mothers. Every person was brought into the world by a mother. So I'm going to stop you here for one second, and this is a PSA announcement. How many of you know that there are two genders, male and female? Every person brought into this world was birthed by a woman. Do not let the world tell you any different. And that is important for you to drive that home with your sons and daughters, with your nieces and your nephews, even your peers at work. Because guys, the other day, I'm going to be, y'all know me, like I don't like speaking in a mic, but I like to just be real. Me and Steven had went to Meyer. Didn't have the kids with us, thankfully, actually, think, very thankful we didn't. And we were walking through the store, and I see a, a lady that had children with her. I, I don't want to say it was a mom. I don't know who it was. But her, her shirt that she had on had the F word spelled out. And I stopped in the middle of Meyer, and I stood there. And I said, Lord, you need to saturate our community, our community. That evening, and, and I don't find this as a coincidence, my daughter Lydia was talking to me and Stephen and said, hey, we have a rule in our home, like we let the kids watch PG or G movies. And then PG-13, because Lydia's older, we have to watch it first before we give the approval, because that's who we are. So Lydia asked me, she said, Mom, how does the world label what a movie is? You know, G, PG, PG-13, R, X. There's a new one. I didn't know that was a thing, but there's an X rated. Lord help us. And I had to stop. And I said, you know, back in the day, and I was reflecting when I was younger, um, PG did not even have cuss words in it. It had like some of the words that I yell at my kids when they say like duh or, you know, sucks, something like, I hate those words. So back in my generation, that was PG. But now, as I was reading the description, they have lowered the standards even more, my friends. And you can have so many, they, they have cuss words broken down into categories, like severe, moderate, and acceptable. And so like, that's how they have it labeled now. And I, and I stopped and I said, Lord, I said, as, as Christians, the goal for us is to decrease and we want to take on his image he has mandated us to be an image bearer but yet 
walking out in public, I've heard Christians say, okay, there's like a gray area. So how close can I get to that like gray area before I sin and, um, and you know, like I can still go to heaven and I'll be good. Like I don't want to go to hell, but then I don't want to change my life so much that I don't want to be like this weird person over here that's called like a Jesus freak. And I, and even in the school that I'm working is counseling people, that's their goal. Like, how much can you sin? And I'm like, Lord, that shouldn't be our question. Our question is what can we do to decrease, to run from that? Because ladies and gentlemen, as a woman, a professional woman, I don't want to get up here and look like the world. I want people to know that they can come to me and pray because there's something different. And that's what I want to challenge you guys. Um, in, in the book of Genesis, and I have went back and forth all week about this. Um, in the book of Genesis, it says that God never designed us to get lost in society. When he made the garden, his goal was for Adam and Eve to flourish, to live there, to, to be rulers over everything that God had, had called good and holy and placed in the garden. But then sin entered in. And there's times with my kids, and y'all, you know, I'm just, I'm blunt. There are times that my kids will come to me and they're like, well, why is it like this? Or why are things like that? And I'm like, you know what? I genuinely don't have the answer. But when we get to heaven, you can go and have a very long discussion with Adam and Eve because they failed you. <laughs> That's what I joke. But, 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 because of humanity, we needed a savior. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Yes. So the Lord commanded and he designed for Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. But the thing is, is we think that it is only children. But the fact of the matter is that he wants us to be image bearers. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 points that out clearly. So, as we get into today, we have a cultural mandate, not just a mandate as ladies of influence. The cultural mandate isn't the final mandate. And as quickly as Adam and Eve ate the fruit in Genesis 3, the ability to be fruitful and multiply was soon destroyed. Adam and Eve still were fruitful and multiplied, but it became a lot harder. Barren woman after barren woman is listed not only in Genesis, but also throughout Scripture until Jesus is born. And then after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, 
we aren't met with as much barrenness in scripture any, anymore, though I'm sure it continues because we still walk with many women on that journey. So the question is why? In the Old Testament, the way that God's work went forward was often through physical birth. It was even promised in the garden with Genesis 3.15. With every barren woman, creation groaned and ached for a promised redeemer to come. With every opened womb, hope sprung forth. But it wasn't enough, and it was only a shadow of what was to come. Each barren woman in each barren season that we face in our lives is filled with a womb that is longing for existence and life to burst forth. But then when Christ came, and with the coming of his kingdom came the promise of making all things new. Did he make barren women or barren people fulfilled? Did he raise children from the dead? Yes, he did all of those things. But what else did he do? He gave everyone the hope of being fruitful and multiplying. Listen to Jesus' words in the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. With the coming of Christ, his finished work on the cross and his resurrection came a new mandate that was brought for all of us through his blood. To be fruitful, to multiply, and fill the earth with more image bearers. But in this mandate, the multiplying is for all people, male and female, married and single, barren and fertile. The way the Messiah came was through physical birth. Hence, the emphasis on, on birth and barrenness all throughout the Old Testament because we needed somebody to fulfill that. The way the Messiah works is through a spiritual birth, which is the emphasis of discipleship that we're given in the New Testament. And so that's where we're at today. The most counter-cultural thing that we can do is to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth with more image bearers. So what does that look like? What does that look like for all of us, men and women, sitting on the pew? How many of you have someone in your life who you pour into? Raise your hand. How many of you have somebody in your life who looks up to you? How many of you work outside of the home and you encounter a human being every day? Everybody. Through every breath that you have, when you wake up in the morning, you have influence. We just have to choose how we're going to use our influence. And when we say, Lord, get rid of me. I want you to overcome every ounce of my body so that those that I encounter see you. Then we are planting 
a field of future image bearers. Lord, there are times in our lives where the Lord calls us into seasons of being laborers. Sometimes in, the, in those lives, for me, um, I was talking to Sister Mitchell this morning, the prep for being a laborer, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And I'm going to give you guys, like, I like stories. Maybe that's because I, I work with kids in counseling. I don't know. I like stories. So the Lord had called me into counseling, and I knew that he had been birthing something inside of my life. And the way to get it, I have to have my doctorate degree. So two years ago, when Stephen and I moved up here, I began pursuing my PhD in counseling so that I could fulfill what God was calling me to do. So I put two years of really hard work in for this program. And about six weeks ago, I get an email from Grand Canyon University where I attend school, and they said, guess what? We lost accreditation, and this is just going to be a piece of paper. It's not really worth anything. And I was like, Lord, what are you doing? And like, my first initial instinct was to panic. And I'm like, Stephen, this is two years of work and finances that we have like poured out for this degree. And my husband being my husband is like, honey, God doesn't just call you so far to rip the rug out. And I'm like, okay. And, and I said, I'm the, but what if? And he's the, there's no but what if, it's but God. So I like took a minute or a week and I breathed. I was like, okay, I'm going to breathe. God, we're going to navigate this. And we just started praying. And I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. And he put the right people in my life to navigate this. And so I'm starting a new school, they, and they transferred all but one course. Like, I, for some of you are like, oh, whoop-dee-doo. That was a big deal. It was a big deal. And I stopped because Sister Mitchell just said it so beautifully all my life he has been faithful ladies and gentlemen there are times when things happen and i'm not one to hyper spiritualize things and i don't i i know people in my life that are like oh, the enemy is attacking me left and right okay yes there isn't an enemy there is an enemy and yes the enemy does attack but sometimes it's just life and we have to be confident as image bearers to know that even in those crazy seasons that are unplanned, that it doesn't catch Jesus by surprise. And he has a purpose in that craziness. And so we just have to stand sometimes. We just have to stand and rely and believe because God, our God, is the author and the creator. He is the beginning and the end. There, I, I challenge anybody in this room 
to tell me a time in scripture where they said, I was going through a hard time and God never did anything, so I'm done. You can't do it. There's seasons, there's seasons. Job sat there and there was rough seasons and he did not know what the end was gonna look like. But my friends, my family in here, Jesus, I love books. If you know, I collect books. And the thing that I love about books, like when I'm reading it, the only thing that I know is like the page that I'm on and like all the stuff I read before, right? But the beauty of God is he knows you so intimately that he knows the beginning, the middle, and the end. And so our job is to breathe. And with each breath, it says, Lord, fill these lungs. Praise him. Because if I don't praise him, the rocks are going to praise him. And I don't want anybody taking my praise from me. Nobody. So in order to look at biblical womanhood, we have to start in Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, which I have an issue with that because I don't like creepy things, but okay, the Lord wants us whatever. Yes, no, he's good. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female. Here, we find out that God created humanity as his image bearers and in his likeliness in order to have dominion over the rest of creation. Mankind as image bearers of God is the key belief of Christianity and must be the foundational look of what biblical womanhood looks like. It informs everything, our belief in life from conception, our value of humanity, our love and respect for others, even when their opinion's different from ours. You hear that, babe? Just kidding, just kidding. God purposely made mankind in his likeness. But why would God do this? Why would he create people to mirror him? In an image-obsessed world, this belief in being designed in the image of God causes us to look up to him rather than to simply look at ourselves and others around us. When we forget or we forget to acknowledge that we are fashioned in the image of God, we live very confused lives. That goes back to there's one man and there's one woman. Facts are facts. It is imperative that we have a strong, firm foundation. Because let me tell you, there, there are times, and again, I, I, I'm a different, I come from a different generation, and so my parenting or my influence might be different than yours. 
but I, I have the mindset that my five daughters can come to me or Stephen and ask us anything. Even, even if, in the safety of our home, I guess I should add that, even if it sounds inappropriate or they don't, they don't know what it means, because I want them to get the answer from us because our source is the Bible. I don't want them to be indoctrinated by everything with the world. So we have, we have worked really hard to create an atmosphere at home where our daughters can literally just be real and say, I don't know what this means, or hey mom, I heard this at school, or hey, I just saw this on TV. And there are times, I won't embarrass my husband, but there are times that the kids have given him some really good questions and he has turned very red, it's been hilarious. But I share that because that's our goal as Christians. I'm so tired of walking into these church doors every week and smiling and acting like a robot. There are times that I'm having a bad day and it's not that I expect you guys to fix my bad day, but, but this church is a family. And so if I'm struggling, or my sister over here is struggling, why can't we lean on our brothers and sisters in Christ and be real? I am who I am. And I am a child of the king. Ladies and gentlemen, so are you. And so as I round up the service and we, and we close it, and I am so thankful because that was such an on-time message. Because we have to trust. Because if we don't trust the Lord, then the world is gonna be so quick to put labels on you and to fill your minds and your hearts with things that we don't need. And so if I can have everybody stand to their feet for just a second. If you can close your eyes, I first just wanna give an opportunity because we wouldn't be here without a woman in our life birthing us. And so I wanna respect that space. But there's also women in your life that have been praying over you. And they know your heart. And they know what you need. So I first wanna give people an opportunity in here. If you don't know the Lord, that's step number one. So if there's anybody who needs to find salvation, just raise your hand real quick, slip it down. Okay, good, we're good, we're all saved. Praise God, that's good, that makes life so much easier. Now, I wanna pray for, for you individually, and I'm gonna have Sister Mitchell come up here with me. Um, if you have a need or something that you've just been believing in your life, and you're ready for God to take, take control of it. 
and you want special prayer, you can come up here and we'll lay hands on you because that's what we do as image bearers. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then those who don't need special prayer, I'm going to end it out with closing and, and you guys can be great. If you're a lady, we have a gift for you in the lobby. Please, please don't, um, don't forget that. But thank you for who you are. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your day. This day that you woke us up, gave us breath in our lungs and a beat in our heart, Lord. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us and our flaws and in our worthlessness. You loved us so much that you said we are worthy through Jesus because he loves you and I love you and you need a savior. So I pray over every person represented in this room today, every family represented in this room today. Lord, I pray that you would touch the needs in the individual lives, Lord, of this family, of this church body. Lord, those who are needing a radical change in their marriage, Lord. I pray that something would flip and that they would fill your Holy Spirit, Lord, and you would start speaking life to a dying and dead marriage. Lord, I pray for the women in here who are grieving because they have lost a loved one, Lord. I pray that as we cry these tears today, that you would collect them because that is our praise unto you. Lord, I pray for those who need a physical touch in their body, Lord. For those who are facing a diagnosis that may not look good, we know who you are, Jesus. And we know that through your blood that you shed, there is healing. Father, Lord, touch us as we go to and from this week. But most of all, check our hearts. Check our hearts, Lord, and chisel away the things that grieve you. We can't do this on our own. So we ask that we could take on your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Happy Mother's Day. Lord, make me a house.